heard about this Baptist preacher. He and his wife had a dog for many years, and the dog passed away, and they wanted a new dog, and so they were careful to search out and find a dog, but they wanted a dog that was a Christian dog. And so they found one that they thought fit the bill, and they brought him home. They had some people over their house one night, and they were showing off their Christian dog. And somebody said, well, how do you know he's Christian? And the preacher said, well, I'll show you. Spot, go get the Bible. And Spot ran back and got the Bible out of the bookcase and brought it in, laid it on the couch. They said, Spot, say a prayer. And Spot knelt down, put his paws together, and bowed his head for a few minutes and then looked up. And he said, Spot, find us uh, Psalm 23 in the Bible. And Spot flipped the the Bible open with his uh, paw and flipped to Psalm 23. And he said, Spot, find Acts or, or, or uh, John 3.16. He flipped a few more pages and found John 3.16. And everybody said, well, that's amazing. He is a Christian dog. And then one of the people said, well, does he do anything that normal dogs do? And the preacher said, I don't know. We hadn't tested him on that. And he said, Spot, come here. Heal. You know, expecting the dog to sit down and sit in a, astute position but instead Spot put one paw on the couch one paw on the preacher's head and howled up to heaven preacher's wife looked up and said good grief he's not a Baptist dog he's a Pentecostal dog well I want you to know something we are a Christian church we're not Baptist we're not Pentecostal Uh, we don't put labels on anybody we're simply a Christian church. And we've been going through this series. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, Matt and I had a discussion, and we have uh, uh, some meetings that we invite new people to our church to come to uh, so that they can come to know who we are and kind of what is expected uh, to become a devoted disciple. What we want to do is give people a path to become a devoted disciple. And last week we started this new series. We're putting the whole church through what we call our Central Connect process. And last week we did what we normally call Central Q&A. And that's where we bring people together, give them an introduction about our church, and allow them to ask questions. Now we didn't allow any questions last week. We did the presentation. But we asked people to fill out a card if they had a question and nobody filled any out. So we must have done a pretty good job in what we covered last week. This week we move on to step two, uh, which is called Central Connect. And this is where we, uh, we show you how you can connect at Central Christian Church. Because we believe God wants everybody to connect to his church. And his church is expressed in local uh, church bodies throughout all of the world, basically, and we, we believe God wants everybody to be part of a church. And so today, uh, we're going to go through this Central Connect. Now, last week, we gave everybody one of these, and if you were not here or you did not get one, there are some available at the Welcome Center, and you can pick one up as you leave. On the other side of this, uh, it shows you our next step process and we begin with step one 
central Q&A. If you missed that, you can go online and watch that service uh, and the message we did last week. Uh, step two is what we're doing today, Central Connect. And this is where we hope that we encourage you to get involved in a life group. And then we have step three, which is Serve Central. And here we want to encourage you to find a ministry that you can be involved with where you can give back. And then step four, which we won't go through that on Sunday morning, but it's called Lead Central, and it's a leadership class that I teach. And we'll have information about that next week. And we will be um, uh, starting a new class in January that anybody can go through, male or female, and it's anybody that would like to be a better disciple, would enjoy that, uh, but especially for people who will eventually be in leadership, whether it be to be an elder or a deacon or a, a Sunday school teaching of little children or whatever, any kind of leadership position, leading a ministry team or, or just, just want to be a better Christian leader, uh, the skills you learn in that will even help you in your business life and in your job and whatever. But if you'd like to go through that, uh, we'll have more information about that next week. And we call leaders around here champions uh, because we believe that they champion a cause and they, and, and they want to, to be the leader of that cause. So today we're going to think about Central Connect and how you connect into the life of the church. Uh, I'm going to give you just a little bit of a review of last week and what we talked about. So uh, why are we here? Well, we have a vision as a church, and we believe that hope changes everything, and that hope is hope in Jesus. But we, we structured this to speak to those who are outside the church. And we know people everywhere are looking for hope. Uh, there are many people, since COVID especially, who are down and out, and they need hope. And we believe that the true hope is the hope in Jesus. And we want to offer that hope to everybody in the world. And because we truly believe that hope in Jesus changes everything. It changes lives. It changes people's thought patterns. It changes people's destiny. And we truly believe that. And how are we going to accomplish that? Our mission is to love God and love people and serve both. And so that's sort of where we come from. If you watch last week's message, you'll get the true uh, meaning of all that a little more in depth. So that's why we're here. Now, Let's talk about our mission for just a minute, because where does that come from? And it comes from two great passages of Scripture. And the first is the Great uh, Commission, and that's where Jesus told his apostles, uh, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you to the very end of the age. And then another passage is called the Great Commandment. And Jesus simply said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. And from those 
two passages of Scripture, we find out what the real purpose of the church is. And we strive to help believers involve themselves in the following five practices to help them become devoted disciples. And before you switch the slide, let me say this. The purposes of the church, go make disciples. That's outreach. That's reaching out to people who are not disciples and helping them become disciples. Uh, baptizing them, that has to do with fellowship. That is bringing them in to the fellowship of the church. And when we use the word fellowship, as I said last week, we ain't talking about eating chicken. Okay? We're, we're talking about forming a community, being a people that are there for each other and a people that are like-minded, that love the Lord and want to serve Him. Uh, then it said teaching them. That has to do with discipleship. That's teaching people about what God's Word says and about living out the ways of the Lord. And then it said love the Lord your God. That has to do with worship. Worship is actually expressing our love to God. And then it said love people, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Jesus taught that your neighbor is anyone you come in contact with that has needs, that you are to love them, you are to show the kind of love that he showed to the world, and that has to do with ministry. So the church has these purposes, that we would outreach, and that we would fellowship, and that we would disciple, and that we would serve and, and worship, and that we would serve and minister to people. Now, so how does a disciple do that? And if you will involve yourself in these five principles, you will find yourself doing the things that Jesus wants us to do. And so these are the things that we uh, teach that this is what a devoted disciple looks like. It's somebody who worships together. It's somebody who... Um, who grows spiritually, is somebody who serves humbly, is somebody who gives cheerfully, and somebody who lives faithfully. Now, we think about this idea of worshiping together. You know, really, there's no such thing as a lone ranger Christian. Christians, yes, we are to have a relationship with God, but we are also to have fellowship with God's community. And you see in the Bible, when the early church started... They came together on the first day of the week. It was called the Lord's Day. And they came together in corporate worship, for fellowship, and to worship God, and to study God's Word. And so uh, you are to worship together. Uh, Hebrews 10.25 says, Do not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. The day approaching that he's talking about is the end of the world as we know it and the second coming of Jesus. And, and the scripture tells us that we are to meet together regularly. Secondly, we are to grow spiritually. That is to, to grow in our faith and to grow uh, in our knowledge. Second Peter 3.18 says, But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. 
But what does it mean to grow in grace and knowledge? You know, a lot of times we think of grace as being something you say before you eat a meal. Or we think of grace as just simply being forgiveness. But the word grace has to do with God's favor. And we are to grow in God's favor and how God pours out His blessings on us. And we grow in knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We grow closer to Him as we, as we grow spiritually. And that has to do with spiritual maturity. And then we serve humbly. 1 Peter 4.10 Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. You know, we are to be good stewards of the gifts that God gives us. That is the abilities that we have. And we are to use that to help further His kingdom and help grow His church. Give cheerfully. 2 Corinthians 9, 7. Each of you should use... Uh, each of you should give what you have decided to give in your heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. You know, we should give to the Lord because we love the Lord, not because God says give, give, give. And you know, here at Central Christian Church, we don't, as I said a few weeks ago in a sermon on giving, we don't preach about giving every week. Uh, we take up an offering every week, but even there, we have offering box here. We have one at the back. And that's at your discretion. Uh, we, we teach maybe once or twice a year about what the Bible says about giving. You might be encouraged to know the Bible says more about giving than it does about prayer. Uh, so what you give is between you and the Lord. But we encourage you, as does the Bible, to give to the Lord's work uh, in here, he's working through Central Christian Church in Bristol to reach uh, people here in Bristol. But also, we give back, just as Helen came and spoke today, uh, we give back to other mission organizations. We give 10% of our budget to other organizations to help them, and especially to foreign missionaries in, on foreign soil. So God wants us to give cheerfully, not out of compulsion, it says, because we feel pressured to give. He wants us to give cheerfully because we feel good about giving back to Him. And then lastly, to live faithfully. 1 Peter 2.12 says, Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day He visits us. You hear what he says? Live such good lives. Live the kind of life that God has called you to. What does that life look like? Well, it's, it's a life that does these things. It's a life that walks daily with the Lord. It's a life that prays to God regularly. It's a life that reads God's Word and lets that Word uh, resonate deep in their soul to become more like Jesus. It's a life that loves God and loves others. It's a, it's a life that shares the good things that God has done for you so that others will come to know God. And it's the kind of life that would be uh, inviting to other people to come be part of God's church and what He is doing. Now, in doing that, uh, we talk about worship. Uh, we have two worship services here at Central. Uh, the first service is at 9 a.m. It's what we call a traditional service. We sing hymns. 
from uh, older hymnals, uh, hymns that have been around in some cases for two or three hundred years uh, that Christians have written. Uh, we sing those. We have an organ, uh, sort of an old traditional style worship service. Uh, we have a contemporary service, this service, at 11 o'clock. Most of the songs we sing in here are Christian songs that were written in the 2000s. Uh, we sometimes sing an older one, but most of them are, and many of them are written even in the last couple of years. So we try to be more modern in this worship service. So two different styles of worship. Not that one's better than the other. It's just different people like different styles of worship. Uh, you will also notice in our worship services we serve communion each and every week. Now, a lot of churches today have gotten away from that. Uh, a lot of churches never serve communion. And some churches may do it once a month. Some churches may do it uh, quarterly. Or some churches do it occasionally. Why do we serve communion every week? In the book of Acts, we see the pattern of the early church. And the early church uh, in Acts chapter uh, 16, verse 7, it says, On the first day of the week, they came together to break bread. Uh, anytime you see the words break bread in the New Testament, it's talking about serving the Lord's Supper or communion. And they came together on the first day of the week, and they always served communion. So we look back to the church that the apostles started and their pattern of how they did church, and we do that. And so we serve. In the book of uh, 1 Corinthians, chapter 11, uh, the apostle Paul saw or heard that in the church at Corinth, there were some abuses of the Lord's Supper. They weren't really doing it right. And he wrote to them, and listen to what he said in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. For I received from the Lord what I passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant of my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For wherever you eat of this bread and drink of this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So Paul was reminding the church that Jesus established the Lord's Supper as a simple ceremony to remind people of Jesus and who he is and what he's done for us. And the early church had the pattern of doing that every week. So that's why we do it every week. Also, as a church, we practice baptism. In our modern culture today, there are many churches that don't, don't baptize anybody. Uh, or there are churches that sprinkle a little water on somebody and call it a baptism. But we go back to the pattern of the early church. Jesus was immersed in the water. Um, in the book of Acts, you have the Ethiopian eunuch. He went down into the water, and he came up out of the water. And so we practice only baptism by immersion. And Jesus commanded in Matthew 28, 19, that we go make disciples by baptizing them. And in Acts 2, 38, on the day of Pentecost, when, preacher, when Peter preached the first uh, sermon, 
he said to the people that they, they believed in his message, and they said, what must we do? And Peter said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so we practice baptism by immersion. And so those are uh, some of the distinctive things about our church and, and uh, how we disciple people. You know, we want you to worship and grow and serve and give and live. Now, Matt is our youth and connections minister, and he's going to come and talk to us a little more about connections. Uh, my name is Matt. I'm the youth and connect minister, and I am super passionate about what I'm about to talk about. I've been given 10 minutes, and we have probably an entire sermon series worth of content, so buckle up and let's go, all right? Okay, so... <clears throat> My first question, when we talk about connection, we, I think, essentially need to talk about this question. Where do you belong? Where do we belong? Samantha, a restaurant manager uh, in Portland, Oregon, uh, approached a table full of customers that were talking about community, and she started sharing her experience. And she said, I don't like Portland, uh, she explained. And she, she desire to go to Nashville and, and build a restaurant, or not build, but start a restaurant with her best friend. And so she had the, these desires uh, in place, and she said, Portland, it's, it's not a friendly city. People say hi and everything, but they don't mean it. When I go to different places to hang out, I see all these little clicks everywhere, and I can't find anyone to get really close to. And so Samantha didn't struggle with her interactions. She would greet people, she would talk with them, and she would uh, engage in all the normal conversational types, but these interactions did not fulfill her search to belong. They didn't fulfill her search to belong. Because we've felt all, all of this before, right? We can be with a group of people, but don't feel like we belong with a group of people. We feel, as we're trying to connect, that something is missing. So... How do we approach relationships and connection and find belonging? So I asked Ricky, <clears throat> Ricky, can you come stand up here with me? So if you know Ricky at all, you know Ricky's a hugger. And so I wanted to invite him up here to represent a little bit about what we're talking about. And we're talking about this idea of spaces. And the first space that we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about this intimate space. This intimate space is represented by Zero physical distance, zero to 18 inches. So somebody's in your bubble, you got to be real comfortable with them, right? Or just real comfortable in general. Um, and, and this is known, for, I'm going to step away on this next part. Intimacy, what do we know it is being naked and unashamed, right? That's why I put this in. But it's not just a physical reality. It's not just physical reality. It's also a mental and an emotional reality as well. Is that when we can be with somebody, and because I, we generally put marriages in this, which I think appropriately so, but I, I feel like there's room for potentially some other types of relationships where people know you and you are unashamed. And this, and, and we're going to get into it, I don't want to spoil, we're going to get somewhere with that. Um, but it's not just sexual, it's emotional and, and mental as well. And then so we take a step away, so 18 inches, 4 feet, we have that personal space. And these is where our best friends go, our close friends, right? 
people that we share private information with, they don't know everything. Like, not naked and unashamed. Like, there, there'd be some embarrassment if that was going that way. And then so, but we, they, they know us so well. They're our best friends. And so when we take another step away, we get into our social space. They are coworkers, uh, talk, you know, people that you engage, and people in this room where you get to talk shop. You get the small, uh, small conversations. You get to talk about the different things. You, you get, they get to see a snapshot of who you are and the jokes and observations, talking about UT, or whether that's sad or happy, depends on the week, right? And then you get, uh, or if you know me at all, it's, you probably are not going to have a social conversation with me without seeing a coffee cup near me. And I, people comment on this, and I, and I happily, like, I think, I think true community has a coffee pot right in the middle there. So, well, so if you don't have coffee, just let me know. Um, and, and so then we get, take another step further away, about uh, 12 plus feet, and we're, we're talking about this public space. We can be in the same room uh, and be uh, far apart. We can be in a mall, we go shopping, and Ricky's just a stranger and acquaintance. Um, you know, and then we take Mike eye kind of like, oh, this is awkward, okay, let's go back to our public space. And but at the same time, public arenas, we can be sitting, watching a game, watching a, you know, Tennessee play, and then they, they score and we high five, a complete stranger and we're good. And so in all these different places, we have places of belonging that we're gonna be talking about. Thank you, Ricky, I appreciate you. Yeah, give him a hand. When I asked Ricky to come up, he's like, what, what, do, you want, what do you want me to do? I just want you to stand there. So I have a few observations that I want to make on that is that our first, our personal space is where our close friends go. I think a misconception that comes along with that is that true community only happens in that personal space. Is that when we can only find true belonging, true community, when we have our relationships in that space. Like Samantha, we all want to belong. And that belonging, I think, comes through significant connection. And that's, in some ways, it's not necessarily a more time with them. It's not necessarily just sharing the deepest, you know, darkest or happiest parts of your soul. Part of that is just quality. There's a qualitative significance that happens when we connect with somebody. And I, I would say we, we find true community when we have significant connections in each and every of these spaces. And not just with people, but also with God. And we find true community with God and others when we have it in all of these spaces. Like right now, we, not everybody in this room is your best friend, right? But we can still have significant belonging. We come together, we sing songs of praise, we, we pray together, we dig into the word together, and, and same time we get to have that intimate belonging with God and we get to do that together and it's a beautiful beautiful thing uh, author Joseph Myers suggests a uh, community compound and so what we get to see is he said for about every intimate person that you have in your life you need two people in your personal space and then in the social space you have four people and then public space you have eight people now I'm not gonna hold hard and fast to those numbers but I think they represent a really important uh, truth is that we need harmony, not balance, in our, in our community. Is that we're gonna have, you know, we're gonna have more people in our public space 
and than our social, and more social than our personal, and more personal than our intimate. And that limitations in these areas, that's okay. We don't need, a, a relationship doesn't mean that it's lesser when it's up here, it just means that it's different. And we need different significant uh, points of connection. And we see this with Jesus. We see this with Jesus. Jesus shows us that we can't find our, all of our connections just from people. We're gonna, we're gonna find out that we, it's, it's not there. That we need God. We have a God-sized hole in our heart and we need him to fill that, not somebody else. And what, Jesus also shows us that he had inner three. He didn't have an open invite into this space for everybody. He chose uh, Peter, John, and James to be in his personal space, his, that, that bubble. And then he had the rest of the 12 in his social space. I'd probably say he had Lazarus in there too, the friend that he cried and raised from the dead. Um, and Mary's people, uh, the, the woman running to the, his graveside and find out he's not there. And then we have other interactions, crowds, Jewish leaders, like, and they're significant in each one of these parts. And Jesus shows us that significant connection is, it has limitations. Like, he embraced his human, humaneness, his human form. He couldn't, he couldn't have all of them right here. He sent people back to their hometowns and said, no, go be there. Like, this is significant, but I, I need you there. Like, this is where he embraced limitations, and he also didn't limit significance just to this one right here. That we could have passing by significant interactions, and they be beautiful, and they go toward the kingdom. And that, that's something that he made room for. And so, <clears throat> why I talk about all this is that when we are searching for belonging in a community, and when we're offering commu uh, belonging and connection to others, is that when these spaces help, help us kind of figure out what that looks like a little bit. And, and, and we're gonna, I'm gonna ask you a couple of questions to kind of help think about that, is what does your community compound look like? How many people would you put in your intimate space, or your personal space, or your social space, or your public space? And honestly, like if you take some circles and you put some names down, it is really helpful. Because I find and I found in my life that sometimes I wanted relationships to be here. I had the significance there, but I just assumed that that needed to be in the personal area. Or maybe somebody's coming and, and wanting personal space type of relationship, but I, 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 I was full. And like I didn't have the time and ability, because I'm limited. And I wanted that significance, but it had to look something over here. Or maybe... And this is, and I can't go into this, but I have stories where I had to say, my space is going to change. And I'm going to make room for others. And so my, my second question is, where is God in this? Is he moving you to put yourself out there to connect, take a chance, take some risk? Is he moving you to say, I need to make some more room for others? Because the reality is, is that church, I'm just going to talk about in general, is that we cannot invite people in to our spaces when there's no room. And we have to, the kingdom and the body is a growing and moving organism, and it's complete, always changing and transitioning. And that we have to make some space for others and to be able to belong and love. Maybe God has you where he wants you. And the right answer on any of that is not what's on paper or a book. It's where the Spirit's moving. So I invite you to approach relationships and groups with holy curiosity. Is letting, 
relationships come as they are and letting the Spirit guide you in where they were going to go. And so we have several ways to connect here at Central, and this is where we're getting at. Sunday school, we, we dig into the Word. We pray together. Um, we do that in, on Sunday morning in Sunday school, but also in Bible study groups throughout the week. Um, and then we also have life groups where we dig in and we talk about Scripture, but we also have discussion. We eat a meal. We pray together. We care for one another. Uh, and then we also have other types of groups called affinity, uh, they're affinity groups, like men, women coming together, uh, women's circles, men's, men's groups, and, and different other uh, places where we can connect with each other, but also connect through service. And so this is just a snapshot of what we have going on. There's other groups, other ministries, other service areas, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that next week. And so I'm going to hand, hand it over back to Mark. So what does membership at Central Christian Church look like? Well, membership is simply a commitment that says, I'm committing myself to this to be my primary place of worship. I want to follow the leadership of this church. I want to be involved and help support this church through my giving, through my service, uh, so that we can do the Lord's work uh, as the leadership sees fit in this community. And so what are the requirements? Well, you have to be a follower of Jesus to be a member of Central Christian Church, which means that you have admitted that you have sinned and that you need a Savior. And so you believe that Jesus died on the cross to pay the penalty for your sins. And you have accepted Him, uh, confessed Him as your Lord and Savior. And you have demonstrated your faith through repentance and baptism and that you are in ready now to engage in the local church. Uh, you know, the church, the Bible says, is the body of Christ. That's just one of the terms that the Bible uses to describe the church. It also says uh, the church is the kingdom of God or that the church is the family of God. And so you commit to be part of the local church here uh, in Bristol. Uh, in the Bible, the church is expressed most often through the local church. You think about the letters that Paul wrote. He wrote the letter to the Romans. That's to a single body, a group of people in Rome that were Christ church there. Or the letters to the Corinthian church. Uh, that is where the church was expressed, at the church at Corinth. Uh, you, you, you have the church at Thessalonica and other churches. And so the local church is the expression of God's church in real time in history. And each church has its mission and has its values that it stands on that hopefully are biblical. And, and so we are, you know, one of the bodies here in Bristol that express who Christ is to the community. <coughs> and then when you commit to a body, you're putting yourself accountable to the leadership of that church. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17, it says, I have, com have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. So, you know, God has placed in his church pastors and teachers elders to lead that church and God holds them accountable 
for making sure that they get solid teaching and that they, they, um, they follow the ways of the Bible. And your elders here at Central Christian Church have committed themselves to uh, what they believe is a biblical doctrine and to try to be good stewards of the money that God sends our way that we use to do ministry. And you are committing yourself to the accountability. You know, as being part of a body, you are accountable to that body. And hopefully that we hold each other accountable uh, for living the kind of life that God has called us to. So how do you place membership in Central Christian Church? Well, first of all, you talk to a ministry uh, staff or one of the elders or a leader. Uh, you, of course, have to believe in Christ and confess Him as Lord, and repent of sin and be scripturally baptized. Uh, you uh, cite the confession of faith, which Christians have been doing for thousands of years. Uh, we ask people to repeat uh, in, in 2 Timothy, uh, I think it's chapter 3, verse 16, uh, Paul talks to Timothy about when he made his good confession. And that is the same as Peter's confession in Matthew chapter 16, where Peter said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, and my Lord and Savior. And then uh, we have a, a new member form that we ask people to give out. Uh, you're not going to hell, by the way, if you fail to fill out that form. Uh, Matt might get mad at you, uh, but you won't. And so we have new member packets if you would like to get one of those. There are some available up here. There's also some packets at the back that have a list of all the small groups that we have and all the ministries that we have. And we also have back there, uh, which will be helpful for you for next week, is what we call a spiritual gifts inventory. And you can go through and fill out and answer some questions and turn that into Matt, and he will come back to you and talk to you about what it shows that your spiritual gifts are. And next week we're going to talk about that and ways that you can serve here at Central Christian Church. So if you have further questions, Matt and I will both be around outside as you leave today, and we'd love to talk to you about that. Uh, we'll have a prayer, and as always, if you have questions, there's a Connect card in the back of the pew. You can fill that out and drop it in one of the red offering boxes, and we'll get back to you with an answer. So let's pray. <coughs> Father, we love you, and we thank you for your church, for the local churches all across this land that you have established, Lord, that want to do your work and do your will and follow your ways in the communities where they minister. And we pray that you help us to do a good job of that and to minister in this community that we might reach more and more people and bring them to know the hope of Jesus because we know that hope changes everything. So be with us as we go forward. and Be with those that are here today. Maybe some will want to be part of what we're doing in the community and place membership. And we lift this all up to you strong name of Jesus, we pray and praise today. Amen.